Hey weirdo, what's your superpower? And how will you use it to change the world? Welcome to Season 1 of Just Us Weirdos, a weekly serialized fiction podcast about learning to be heroic, no matter how weird your power might be. I'm Charlie White, and I'm so glad you're joining me here again today for our second episode. Last week on Just Us Weirdos, we saw Dagny work in a really annoying family dinner. Her mom, Gwenifer Work, who's also the vice president of the world's most successful company, was having a dinner guest over because she wanted to buy that company. The dinner guest had the most annoying... Do you have a new text message? I said the dinner guest had the most... Do you have a new text The dinner guest had the most annoying cell phone ringtone. Anyway, it turns out the dinner guest's company was a sham. EcoDirect Shipping was buying nuclear waste to dump it in the ocean. Dagny Work, who has the superpower to talk to computers and telepathically tell them to reboot, contacted her best friend Amina, who also had superpowers. And together, they made a plan to stop EcoDirect and try to become famous superheroes themselves. Before we get started with today's episode, I do have a content warning. Kids, listen up. Today's episode includes scenes of breaking and entering, biking while in costume, and improper handling of bananas. Some adults may be sensitive to this material, so if you have one of those nearby, put some headphones on so they don't get too uptight about things. Otherwise, sit back, think of something weird, and put a smile on your face. It's time for issue number two of Just Us Weirdos. Follow the lead R. Amina Amparo is 15 feet off the ground clinging to a flimsy ladder on the side of the mansion that her best friend Dagny lives in. How's it going? Dagny whispers to her from behind a bush on the ground. Dagny's mom is currently sitting on the poolside patio in the mansion's backyard, explaining to the manager of the Chicago office that he's fired, but he has to finish a project first. Dagny is hiding in the bushes to keep an eye on her mom and make sure she doesn't spot Amina. I feel like I should at least be wearing a costume, Amina whispers back. What if somebody sees me? Well, Dagny says, you're trying to get into my mom's office to get a costume of sorts. Amina looks up at the second story window, which is swung open about one inch. She takes a deep breath and traces a ladder pattern with her fingertip. Her powers activate and a pencil-like drawing stays behind where her finger has touched. She connects the drawing to the top of the hand-drawn ladder she's currently clinging to. She puts a hand on her drawing, wraps her fingers around it, and pops it out of the wall. The ladder she's clinging to grows a foot taller. It's so cool when you do that, Dagny says. I can't believe you say our superpowers are stupid. Amina scowls at her friend. I can't keep doing this all night. That's the stupid part. 
Every line I draw is a line erased from my homework back home. When my homework is blank, no more powers. And then I have to do my homework. Again. Yeah, but you're climbing a ladder that didn't exist until you needed it to. You've got to admit, that's kind of cool. It'll be a lot cooler once I have that super suit, Amina says. She reaches the window and peers inside. The window swings on a hinge, and like everything in the mansion of Mrs. Work, it's automated by a computer system. Amina had hoped Dagny's power would come in handy, that Dagny could just tell the window to reboot, and it would swing itself open. But Dagny says that's not how it works. If anything, the window would probably close as a security feature. So now Amina looks for the button that Dagny insists will be there. Sure enough, about six inches to the side of the window, inside the house, is a small computerized control with open and close buttons. Clinging to the ladder with one hand, Amina uses her fingertip to sketch a U-shaped tool on the side of her best friend's house. She pops it off the wall. Holding it in one hand, Amina snakes it through the window and uses it to tap the open button. The window slowly swings wider open. Inside Mrs. Work's study, Amina spots the big white coffin that contains the supersuit. Dagny's mom made Dagny work at Binary Consolidated during every single summer vacation since she was five years old. That means she has an employee access code that she's shared with Amina. Amina punches the code into a control panel on the coffin, and it opens up to reveal the sleek black and purple wetsuit. Ugh, why'd it have to be purple? Amina says. I hate purple. Still, she taps the engage button on the suit's forearm-mounted tablet, and it wraps around her body. The sensation is similar to what Amina imagines it would feel like to be swallowed by a snake. But she catches sight of herself in a mirror, and despite the purple, she looks pretty darn cool. Later that night. Amina feels decidedly less cool wearing the supersuit while riding her bicycle from Dagny's mansion to downtown Quadropolis. There, at a private dock owned by Binary Consolidated, an EcoDirect ship lies fully loaded with nuclear waste. While the EcoDirect manager insists the ship will deliver the waste to an island research facility for scientists who are studying superpowers, Amina and Dagny no, it's really just going to dump the waste into the ocean. They're planning to prevent it, and record themselves doing so. They hope that Quadropolis's only recognized superhero, Wondar, will take notice of them and invite the girls to be sidekicks. If we're going to do this, we need superhero names, Dagny says into a headset. She's sitting back in the mansion, watching a live stream of the stunt cam mounted to Amina's helmet. Dagny's computer rebooting powers work over a video link. And also, she doesn't feel like she'd be very good at breaking into a harbor and sneaking onto a ship. So, instead of joining her friend in person, she's providing remote support. I want my name to be Led R, Amelie says. I know you do, but it just doesn't work. For so many reasons. I mean, when someone writes your name, 
They're just going to think you're leader. And besides, I hate to tell you this, but pencils don't use lead. They haven't for like a century. They use graphite. Yeah, Amina says. But graphitar sounds dumb. What about graphene? Dagny asks. Huh, graphene. Graphene. I like the sound of that. Hold on. Amina has arrived at Binary Towers, the headquarters of Binary Consolidated, and she stashes her bike in an alley. She puts a fingertip on her chest and draws a shiny, silvery letter G over the Binary logo on the chest of the supersuit. Yeah, that looks good, Amina says. Stop it, Dagny yells. We have to return that suit tonight before my mom notices it's gone, and we can't ruin it in the process. After her unpleasant conversation with the Chicago manager, Mrs. Work had decided to go out for a late dinner. The girls figured they had two hours to complete their mission before she got home. Don't worry about it, Amina says. We have plenty of time. So, I'm graphene with powers of... How do you think this sounds? Graphetic manipulation. Sure. Okay, but then who are you? I've been thinking about this for a while, Dagny says. I want to be the IT girl. Amina thinks on it for a second. Won't people think you're calling yourself the IT girl? Even though Amina can't see her, Dagny shakes her head. No, I think people will get it. Amina looks at the gleaming white eco-direct ship docked in the River Majestic next to Binary Tower. She's going to sneak onto it. She's going to be a superhero. She's not sure whether to feel nervous or excited, but she's sure of one thing. Okay, superhero names only from here on out. Graphene out. Copy that, IT Girl says. Now go hero your way onto that boat. And remember, only use the supersuit if there's a problem. It only works for about 15 seconds. And don't let anything bad happen to it. Graphene spots a night guard in a small shack at the entrance of the dock. He's playing a game on his phone. The shack and the gate next to it are the only ways onto the dock that don't involve going over a razor-sharp barbed wire fence. Graphene thinks back to the ladder she drew earlier that night. It used up a lot of her homework. So instead of going over the fence, she decides to go through. Graphene sketches a pair of bolt cutters on the ground, pops them into reality, and cuts through the fence. Even without using its power, the binary supersuit helps Graphene move quietly. She sprints across a concrete pad full of truck-sized metal containers to the white eco-direct ship. Ducking behind a container, she peers at the ship until she makes out the form of a guard patrolling the decks above. The guard looks out over the docks for a moment, then turns back. About 50 seconds later, a second guard, slightly shorter than the first, does the same thing. That's both of them, IT girl says over the headset. The owner of EcoDirect bragged about how automatic her ship is. She says it only needs four humans, two guards above deck and two below. I'm going in, Graphene says. Wait, 
I've got a low light filter here on my computer, so I can see more than you can. Those guards are carrying binary consolidated weapons. Binary makes weapons? Graphene asks. Binary makes anything you can put a computer chip in, IT Girl says. My mom loves to brag about their computerized smart guns that are designed to stun people without hurting them. Those guards look like they're carrying something called sticky foot cannons. These shoot pellets of condensed goo at you, and if it hits, it explodes and sticks you to where you are for about ten minutes. Graphene makes a face. Why do they have computers in them? IT Girl shrugs. Because Binary became the biggest company in the world by making things with computers in them. Fair enough. So, stay away from the sticky foot cannons. I don't want to get pinned down. IT Girl says, And I don't want to deal with a mess on the supersuit. We'll never be able to explain it. Graphene rolls her eyes. Thanks for caring, she says. She's beginning to wonder what the use of the supersuit is. IT Girl keeps telling her that she can't use it for fear of draining the battery, and she can't get it dirty. She feels like she could have worn any old mask and been better off. She takes a deep breath. They've come to the worst part of the mission. She needs to get on the ship and wait for it to leave the private dock at Binary Tower. Once it's left, she's supposed to find the drone artificial intelligence that drives the ship, so Dagny can use her powers to reboot it, which will force the ship to return to the public dock at Quad Harbors, where it will be inspected. Taking a deep breath, Graphene runs to the ship after the second guard has left. She sketch pops a handhold on the side of the ship and grips onto it with her left hand. Then she sketch pops another with her right hand. She swings her left hand over and repeats, making a sort of monkey bars on the side of the ship. Graphene swings from handhold to newly drawn handhold until she is on the opposite side of the ship, where she draws a small ledge beneath her feet pops it out, and stands over the open ocean. How long until the ship leaves? Graphene whispers into her headset. Less than five minutes, IT Girl says, checking the electronic manifest for the ship with her binary employee account. While she waits, Graphene looks across the side of the ship to see if there's any other way on board. When they had made the plan, sneaking past two guards didn't sound like a problem at all. Now that she's here... It actually makes her feel pretty nervous, but Graphene doesn't see another way on. She's got to go up to the top of the ship. She stands on her pencil-drawn ledge and peeks over to the top side of the ship to study the guard's movement. Graphene whispers into her headset, Come on, IT girl. Do you see anything with your fancy night vision that I can't see? Back at home, IT girl studies her computer monitor. Huh, IT girl says, I do see something. But it doesn't make sense. On the far side of the ship, it looks like... This sounds really silly. It, it looks like there's a banana peel on the ground. Graphene focuses. Sure enough, she spots it too. After a few moments, the taller guard moves to stand at her post on the far side of the ship. But instead, she steps on the banana peel. Almost like this is a kid's movie, the guard windmills her arms around. She slides off the edge of the ship, and she falls into the water below.
The second guard's not laughing. He takes notice and begins to run to where the first one fell. Graphene can't help herself, though. She starts laughing. She sketch pops a boomerang for herself, and then a shield. She pulls herself over the edge of the ship, even as the shorter guard points his sticky foot cannon at her and yells, Intruder! Freeze! Adrenaline takes over. Graphene throws the boomerang at the sticky foot cannon in the guard's hand. The guard fires. Graphene raises her shield, and in a second, it feels both like it got hit by a car and also like it weighs 200 pounds. She drops the hastily drawn graphite shields, and it sticks to the ground in a white, goopy mess. Her boomerang has knocked the sticky foot cannon out of the guard's hand, and it clatters to the ground. She begins to sketch a net on the deck of the ship, hoping she can use it to trap the guard. But then she spots something. There's another boomerang flipping towards the guard. Only, this one isn't a boomerang. It is a banana. The banana hits the guard in the chest, forcing him to take a step backwards. A step right onto another banana peel. He waves his arm for balance, gets it for a second, then loses it again and cartwheels over the side of the ship. Graphene looks around for the source of the banana. When she doesn't see anything, she sets her sights on the stairs going below deck and runs for them. But her first step lands Graphene right on a banana peel. She slides towards the edge of the ship. Graphene readies herself for a fall and grabs onto the ship's handrail. But it's slippery, and it smells like bananas. She can't get a hold, and Graphene tumbles over the edge, falling to the cold ocean below. Hey weirdos! This is creative director, Gabe White. And I'm here instead of my dad because he is really sad that he hasn't gotten any submissions for villainous letters. I need to tell him something. Dad, you need to know. What is it, Gabe? It's just, it's just submissions for villainous letters. I know, but villainous letters is such a good game and nobody played with us this week. Don't worry. Just try to keep it in perspective. Oh, what's this? My phone is ringing. Do you see what this is, Gabe? What? This is a submission for a superpower for villainous letters. Now, before we read it, let's remind people what villainous letters is all about. I'll tell you. Villainous letters is a letter game. There are two ways to play. You can play by giving us a villain, their superpower, and a problem that they're causing, or you can play by giving us a superpower that contains special letters that can be used to defeat that villain. And yes, back to my point. We generate three random letters. Then we decide a superhero over the week. So if you remember last week, we had the building smasher who had a magic candlestick, and he was a bad dude who was going to use it 
to knock over all of the buildings in the city. Gabe, do you remember the three letters that we generated? No, I don't. The letters were T, N, and C. We came up with Cantman last week, and I'm super excited to say we have not one, but two ideas of superpowers to defeat the Building Smasher. The first of these comes from seven-year-old Trinley in Woodstock, Georgia. The superpower is Trainsicle, which lets Conductor Trainsicle do front flips, back flips, and build its own track as she goes. Conductor Trainsicle drives on her track and blows fire and also breathes ice. She gives popsicles to good ice. So she's going to use her powers to beat Building Smasher. Now, how do you think somebody who can breathe fire and ice and give out popsicles is going to beat Building Smasher, Gabe? Well, they might build a track around them and run around on it, breathing ice and blowing out fire. And maybe at the end, when Building Smasher knows he's defeated, she'll give him a popsicle and he'll feel so good about himself that he'll just stop trying to smash buildings altogether. Our next villainous letter submission comes from 39-year-old Stefan from Dearborn, Michigan. I'm so excited to know that kids of all ages are listening to our podcast. This hero is Catnap. Her real name is Kitty Dozer, and she can put people to sleep for a short amount of time. Just enough time for Building Smasher to be moved to a special smash-proof cell that has been designed to contain him. So, we've got three potential superheroes to help us defeat Building Smasher. It could be Cantman, it could be Conductor Trainsicle, or it could be Catnap. And what do these three superheroes have in common, Gabe? They all have the three letters we had generated, T, N, and C. Let's pick another supervillain out of our grab bag to play villainous letters with this week. This week, we're going to do something a little different. Last week was like our tutorial week. This week is official playing. So, we will have a villain, and then we'll have our letters generated, but we do not come up with the um, superhero powers until next week. And we're going to play this along with you. So this week's villain comes to us from 11-year-old Amelia from Byron Center, Michigan. Amelia tells us about Mr. Zebra. Mr. Zebra can put stripes on people and then freeze them. He's stuck in the Bahamas, so he is striping people and freezing them because he doesn't know how to get tickets for a plane or a boat to leave the island. Oh no, this is terrible. People are getting frozen by Mr. Zebra. What would you do if you were striped, Gabe? If I was able to move my mouth, I would probably sing a really weird song, but that's just me. Okay, so Gabe's superpower would be singing a really weird song, but Gabe didn't use the special letters to come up with that superpower. So right now, Gabe, can you go ahead and throw the switch on the random number generator? Yep. Charge it up. Yep. And give it a spin. Yep. Here we go. Here are our random letters. P, A, X. X. That should be a fun one, don't you think, Gabe? Yep. I wonder if we're going to see a lot of xylophone-based superpowers this week. 
So, Gabe, thanks for helping me not cry anymore. And Trinley and Stefan, thank you for playing along with Villainous Letters. We're looking to you, our audience, to play along with us. So if you can come up with a superpower that contains the letters P, A, and X that could be used to stop Mr. Zebra, please send it in. Also, if you have ideas for new villains we could use in next week's segments of Villainous Letters, we'd love to hear those too. We do have about seven villains we're sitting on right now for future episodes. Gabe, how else can they get involved? If you want to send us a picture of any villains, heroes, or possibly even some of our heroes from the story, we will be very happy that you have done that. And this guy won't cry anymore. That's right. We're not just interested in your artwork of our heroes, although we'd love to see that too. You can make up your own superheroes and send them in to us. And when we get those, we'll put them on our Instagram page and may talk about them on a future episode of the podcast. Well, wish me luck, guys. He's got a hard guy to manage. We have a couple of late updates for Villainous Letters this week. First off, seven-year-old Trinley of Woodstock, Georgia, was also kind enough to draw us a picture of Conductor Trainsickle. I will add that to our Instagram page so you can see it for yourselves. Thanks, Trinley. We also had two adult players of Villainous Letters on our Facebook page. Matt Bierman came up with Tutankhamun, a young superhero who fights crime by calling on his mummy. And Carl Halodnik tells us about the Tennessee Crusher. It's Incredible Hulk meets Davy Crockett. Thanks, Matt and Carl. Thank you, dear listener, for returning for a second week of Just Us Weirdos. I'm so happy to see all of the support and encouragement we've gotten online. We have a number of submissions for new villains for Villainous Letters. Now, don't forget, kids, I want to see your artwork. If you want to draw me a picture of graphene, or if you want to make up your own superheroes and send me pictures of those, I would love to see them. I'll put them on our Instagram account, and I'll talk about them on air. Remember to tell me your name, where you live, and how old you are so I can give you credit when I read it. Also, don't forget you can play Villainous Letters at home. When we come up with a villain and make the three letters, we want to hear your ideas for a superpower to beat those villains. As always, you can find us online at justusweirdos.com. Here you can subscribe to the podcast. That's the best way to get the new issues every week when they come out. You can also send us a message there, play along with Villainous Letters, or submit your artwork. You don't have to come to our website to subscribe. You can do that right from your podcast player, whether you use Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts like I do, or Google Play Music. You can simply search for Just Us Weirdos, find the podcast, and hit subscribe. The best thing you can do to help the show out is share it with a friend. You can also give us a five-star rating on iTunes. This is the best way for new people to discover the show. You can check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Just Us Weirdos or Instagram at Just Us Weirdos Podcast. And if you want to email us, you can get us at hero at justusweirdos.com. Thanks again to Joe Carnwath, who wrote, performed, and produced our theme music, and his brother James for playing the trumpet for us. You can check out Joe's music online at joecarnwath.com or find him on Spotify. Additional music licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 includes Zigzag by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and Cinderella by Love Hustler. 
Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week, weirdos.